Welcome back, everyone, to the SaderCast. This is episode two. Today is September 12th, 2023. Uh, we're coming off a pretty interesting weekend of football, both college and NFL. So, Augie, let's let's get into it really quickly. But first, how are you doing today? I'm doing, I'm doing great. Uh, you know, Holy Cross is the number one student section in the country, Ben. It's 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 surreal. We saw that post on Instagram and on Twitter yesterday, and I couldn't believe it. And I mean, it's safe to say that we we earned that spot at Chestnut Hill this weekend. Holy Cross, I think the entire school was there. Holy Cross brought their A game both in the stands and on the football field. They didn't come out with the win, Ben, but. You know, it was a lot closer game than people thought it was going to be. And I think we, we need to spend a lot of time talking about that because, as you mentioned, Big Game Boomer on social media. He's all over Instagram, all over Twitter, one of the more popular college football accounts. In front of the Colorado Buffaloes, he had Holy Cross's student section at number one. Remember that Colorado literally rushed their field. We'll talk about that later. But Holy Cross, the number one student section in America... They didn't, we weren't even at home. No, we this was an away game. We didn't even play at Fit and Field. This was at BC, at Chestnut Hill, the number one student section. That's the name of this title. I mean, we're, 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 we're calling we're, the episode that. We, yeah. There's no nothing we else we could call it because this is the most on the map Holy Cross football has ever been. I mean, you're going to look at the game and you're going to see a very, very close finish. Which would have been even better if it weren't interrupted with a weather delay. But, I mean, you look at the game right now. It's a tale of two programs. You've got BC. I believe Halfley's a good guy, but he's clearly not the coach. He's not a good coach. Considering the amount of penalties on that team. Considering their defense was Swiss cheese. Um, just, there was just a lot of bad play from BC. But at the end of the day, they are a highly funded, highly prestigious program. They are going to get those elite prospects and transfers. So, at a baseline, they're a good team, just in general. Maybe comparatively to the ACC, they're garbage. But to, like, an average Joe program, they're solid. And so, to be able to march into Chestnut Hill and be able to hold your own against a team like that, they lost that game, very obviously. But I think they can chalk it up as a loss with an asterisk, just because of how well they played. They should be able to walk into next week feeling like we're doing as well as we can. Absolutely. Like you said, I think that's a great point you made. There's two different programs heading in different directions, and it's clear to see. I mean, BC, their students were all gone after halftime. They were gone. Holy Cross, they stuck around. They were cheering. It was Holy Cross' Super Bowl. We talked about how it was going to be their Super Bowl, and it was. I mean, everyone was there. They were loud. It was louder on third downs than Boston College's offense. They had to call a timeout. Because of the, the noise in the fourth quarter. They had to call a timeout. That doesn't happen in your stadium unless you're a sorry program like Boston College. Well, let's just say the students brought the A game. But to the on-to-the-field stuff, to the on-to-the-field play, I'll start with Boston College. They, yeah. Their quarterback, Thomas Castellanos, he's good. He's, 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 he's he a good play. player. He can play. He, I, I like the legs that he has on him. He's able to run the ball really well, and that's honestly... I think that's why Boston College won this game. Holy Cross, they did well on defense. We talked about their defense last week. We said it was young. We said it was inexperienced. We said they were going to need to step up in a big way against Boston College. And, you know, the first half, again, a tale of two halves for the Holy Cross defense. The first half, Boston College had four offensive possessions. They had four scoring offensive yeah, possessions. They had three touchdowns the to start and then a field goal to end yeah. it. They were kind of running all over the, uh, the defense. And Thomas Castellanos, he was throwing the ball well, too. He was finding his open receivers. 
Um, and, you know, Holy Cross's uh, defensive backs were just not having a lot of success either, A, in the pass game, uh, trying to break up passes, or B, tackling. It was just not their best half, but they turned it around in the second half. They held Boston College to just seven points in that second half. It was 24-14 at the half, then it was 30. They only scored 31 points in the game, and, you know, that's just another credit to Bob Chesney just stepping up at halftime and, you know, seeing the first half game film and making adjustments. But when you're playing a team like Boston College, you, you're going to have to start making those adjustments earlier than halftime sometimes. And, mm-hmm. you know, there was a deficit that they had, and they could have overcame it. It was definitely possible. They I mean, were, they could have yeah. come back, and we can talk about the rain delay in a second. So, yeah, I mean, what I'll say on the whole passing game is that it really wasn't there for either team yesterday. There was one deep ball that Castellanos ripped off, and I believe he beat Devin Haskins in coverage, the right. receiver. Right, which Down the side That line. was probably the only major defensive gaffe in the secondary all day, just because the passing game was really not there for either team. Uh, a couple names I do remember from Holy Cross's defense that I'd like to give a shout-out to. Stu Smith. Recording the Holy Cross is, I believe, their only sack of the day. Of course, he's a freshman safety, so it's always cool to see a player like that get his, you know, big moment at a stadium like that. Absolutely. Very, very cool for the kid. Also, Jacob Dobbs and Frankie Monty, the linebackers, are really, really showing up this year. Yes, they are. And, you know, Holy Cross, you know, they, they played a really good game. And I think it's our job to really just talk about how, how well that they played. And, you know, they didn't come out with a victory. There was that you know, sketchy thunder delay I mean, with two minutes to go. I, I they, see. They could have played yeah. it out. I, I think I think they, they could have played it out. They could have finished it. It killed Holy Cross's momentum in a way, in my opinion. They just got the stop on fourth and four. The whole stadium was questioning whether Boston College was going to go for it and try and ice the game, and they punted, and everyone was like, wow, Holy Cross is getting the ball back with two minutes to go. And then the personal foul right after right, that. Right after the 15 personal yards. foul. And then they call yeah, and at, at the Holy Cross sideline, which wasn't even a sideline. It was like the in, whole, entire half of the stadium. Yeah. It's going nuts. Everyone's excited. And then they call the weather delay. Uh, and it's it's a crazy weather delay. Now, Two hours, seven minutes, yeah. the length of the weather delay. It's there the whole time. I, uh, yeah, I ended up having to leave a little bit. Wow. Oh, You're a fake fan. Well, You're the worst. Well, I was going to be extremely upset if Holy Cross came down and scored a game-winning drive and I was okay. not there. Well, congratulations but, for you, buddy. Yeah, unfortunately. The uh, rest of us waited two and a half hours to lose, yeah, but it's fine. Sluka stepped out of bounds. Uh, I mean, tripped, stepped yeah. out of bounds. I, uh, yeah. I, thought it was, I thought he was gone. I thought, I thought was he was touchdown. gone too, but I, I, you look at the replay, he had like a toe out. Oh, definitely out. Barely out. Had that toe out. And then uh, obviously the fumble after that, which, you know, that happens. Slippery ball. That happens. Uh, there's no one to blame for that. They they, they played yeah. their A game, and you know what? Boston College is a really storied program, and I'm going to go on the record, and I'm going to say that Holy Cross needs to schedule Boston College at Chestnut Hill every single year. I would love that to happen, but let, let's be real about a few things. Number one, that was the sketchiest timing ever for a weather delay. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, <laughs> but you could have finished that game. I agree. You really could have finished that game, and then we would have all been nice and dry and home, but we also would not have gotten the absolute scenes of a pack of Crusader fans out in the rain for two hours. So I guess you give and you take with that. But with the momentum the Crusaders had without a weather delay, I think there's no doubt that they win that game. I, I'm going to call that right there. So just say what you want. Say what you want about how that game ended. I would love these two teams to play every year. I don't think it'll happen just because BC's already pretty embarrassed by what happened. It's obvious. You can tell. Halfley's press conference after the game, electric. Like, he, he was not happy. Like, we're going to fix this. I'm going to win games. Like, you just won a game. You don't sound like you won a game. I wonder why that is. The big thing is, 
and I'll leave this section off with this. There's a little circulating graphic on Twitter right now that says weather alert, Holy Cross threatening to beat BC. Have you seen that? I have. I think that sums up basically the whole controversy behind this game. But regardless of what happened, that was a great day to be a Crusader. It was a great day to be a Crusader. And, you know, Holy Cross football, like you said, it's on the map. There's Twitter talking about it. There's Instagram talking about it. Everyone's excited about Holy Cross football. And there's a guy who's really the reason there why. There is. There, uh, yeah. Seven touchdowns in two games. Are you serious, I mean, Jordan Fuller? So Jordan Fuller, the junior running back, I had the opportunity to sit down with him, ask him a couple questions about not only this game, but his next game, and uh, just pick his brain a bit, see where he's at, because that kid's off to a great start to his season. So here's my interview with Jordan Fuller. So I'm joined here by number 23 on the Holy Cross Crusaders football team, Jordan Fuller. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm doing great, Ben. Great to be here. Awesome. Thank you for joining us on the show. Let's, let's just start it off with, tell us a little bit about yourself, Jordan. Um, all right. I'm from uh, Northampton, New Hampshire. Uh, went to public school uh, for two years and then went to uh, Governor's Academy um, in Massachusetts, the North Shore. Uh, I was actually a boarding student there um, for about a year and a half, got cut uh, short because of COVID. Um, I'm a middle child. My brother goes to Vanderbilt, sister goes to Purdue. Um, my mom's in the military. Uh, dad works uh, in uh, management. Um, got two dogs, a cat. Nothing, nothing too special, too crazy, I guess. <laughs> I mean, two dogs and a cat's crazy, yeah. though, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> All right, so let's get right into it with talking about what just happened on Saturday. A lot of us were there, electric atmosphere at BC, obviously. But from a player's perspective, how was the atmosphere for you at Boston College this past weekend? Um, I mean, it was really, I feel like it was, it was just as special as, you know, probably was to sit in the stands. Um, we kind of just felt like the whole school really was just kind of, around us and there with us um so you know even going through that you know lightning delay it was it was great like we were still hearing the fans like cheering and screaming doing all the chants uh like as we were in the locker room from like way across the other side of the field so it kind of just felt like we weren't alone um you know obviously bc didn't have too many fans there but i could imagine if that stadium was empty we kind of we would have had much worse attitude towards it all but honestly, it was it was really cool. I mean, I went to a B, I've been to a couple BC games as a kid. Went to one uh, in high school, but it really kind of just felt like we were playing like in the big leagues, uh, totally like enclosed by the big stadium. Um, when the you know lights started to come on later in the game, uh, it just like I would honestly snap into moments where I was just looking around the stadium, just like wow, this is so cool. And then like minutes later, be running on the field playing, and you'd kind of instantly block out everything that was going on in the sides and it was just a regular football game so kind of got like both uh both feels almost as like a fan like kind of just a fan of football you know the atmosphere and then obviously as a player being on it it was great it's awesome yeah alumni stadium beautiful campus obviously oh, an yeah. incredible stadium i do have a quick follow-up question on that which was it was a two-hour weather delay what were you guys doing in the locker room that whole time just sitting around talking about what was going on or um, it was honest, it was kind of chaos. So everyone, we're obviously, you know, it was very hot out on that turf. And then we came inside, everyone's sweaty, you know, starts, start cooling down. Um, people were cramping all over the place, like going into full body cramps. 
So our trainers were just kind of running all over the place. Like one kid started cramping in the shower, which was like, or by the shower, which was way across in the locker room. So they had to run through, you know, to get him. Um, I know I personally like my pads and my jersey are really sweaty. So after being in the colder locker room for a long time, like all, I went from really hot to just like freezing from oh. that sweat, like freezing on you. And and I just started shivering and like had to put heat packs on my chest, stuff like that. And everyone is just like getting hungry, too. So we were eating like all the snacks in the locker room. Adrenaline starting to wear off. It was really it was crazy. Um, we actually did. We had another one. We had one. Uh, what was that? It was two years ago, my freshman year. At Fordham, it was only for like, I want to say like thirty minutes. Though. Yeah, I think so I remember much, seeing that it was postponed. It was yeah. much, much shorter, and we just had no clue about this one. Like, people would come in and be like, "We might have an hour. We might have two hours," and like, we're getting ready to play, and then they're like, "Oh, it's gonna be another thirty minutes." So you're just uncertain. Like, people start, you know, our coach let us like go on our phones, just kind of like try to zone out for a second. So it was it was a really weird vibe, and obviously you're not really you're down. We're down in the game, so it's not like anyone's too too happy or anything. Obviously, we're excited to get out there, but there's just a, like a lot of tension. It was a, it was a weird experience. I can definitely imagine because for us out there, it was we're in the rain, we're chanting, we're like when's when are they coming back on? And then eventually, like five p.m., five p.m. Like oh okay, we've been waiting yeah. for how long now? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, exactly. crazy crazy turn of events. So obviously, game didn't end perfectly. Didn't end the way we wanted it. But what are you taking away from this one? Um, I mean, so, you know, they say, like, there's no moral victories, which I, you know, I think it's true. Like, we obviously lost the game, but I think we already knew coming in that we could play with, you know, a lot of a lot of great teams because, you know, we feel like we have a very talented team as well. Um, but I think, I think we just kind of l- learned or realized even further that, you know, if we play our game without uh, mistakes, like we can really beat anyone. And, you know, that includes ACC teams. Um, I feel like, you know, in the second half, you could really see like we're just going toe to toe with them. It's not like they were wearing us down or anything. I think if anything, you know, we were probably wearing them down a little bit. That happened during Merrimack too, I noticed. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, we... We really just know that we just can't beat ourselves. I think that's the bottom line for us right now. Great answer, Jordan. So you've been off to a phenomenal start this year. Number 29 this week in the big game boomer top college running back polls for your performance. So congratulations (laughs) there. Thank you. So what's it like being the number one guy in this offense as a running back? Because you were behind Pete for the past couple years, and now it's your time. Um, I mean, it's great. Honestly, like, still, still have a lot of help with uh, with Tyler and Tyler Purdy and Jordan Forrest, uh, doing a lot. Um, but it's something I, I looked forward to since my freshman year. Uh, Pete, you know, was so great. I started to work in a little bit more uh, last year with him. Um, he was at the game. Actually. He was. Yeah. I, did, I saw him. Yeah. I saw him. That was great to see him. Actually, shout out Pete Oliver. Shout out Pete. Um, and. This year, I mean, just I honestly just a little bit like different focus level going into like the summer and going into the the training camp, just knowing like that I would be getting a lot of a lot more carries, um, and it's exciting. I mean, 
for when you go from, you know, playing, you know, so well in high school being like usually, you know, guys on our team were like the, the main guy on their teams. And then you come in here and there's a lot of great players in every position and you're not playing, you know, every play. It kind of just, it, it makes the game feel different. It makes, you know, you start to think a little bit more. Um, but now like being back, you know, to playing very frequently, I just kind of, it feels like high school again, almost like can just really have fun with it. You know, you start to calm down, just feel comfortable out there. And it's kind of just like playing the game that you like fell in love with. So really that's been like the best thing for me is just kind of feeling that like comfortability on the field again. And obviously being a running back at Holy Cross is kind of in your blood. Of course, your dad, Jerome, in the Ring of Honor at Holy Cross, uh, 1991 leading rusher. He was on that undefeated team. You would then repeat that. I want to say 22 years later. Am I doing that math? 21 years later. I'm doing that math correctly. So how has that affected your time here at Holy Cross? Just being, you know, a part of the family that really started Holy Cross's rushing just excellence. Um, It's been, I mean, it's something that like, it's not really like, the reason, the sole reason that I chose Holy Cross, but I mean, it definitely, you know, was intriguing, like, to, to come here and just kind of see, like, it's like, a lot has changed, but like the same place that my dad grew up in, Um, you know, he obviously was, was very good. Um, It's an understatement. Yeah. He holds like every record. Yeah. Or at least most of them. He was, he was very good. Um, And I mean, I, it's never really been, like, a competition thing, but, like, I think it's just super cool, honestly, to just see him, like, connect with alumni, guys that he hasn't seen since, like, he was playing, and just, like, you know, being in a lot of, like, the same, like, stadiums that he played in, like, being in the Patriot League is still, you know, the same kind of thing. Uh, he actually he played at Army, I think, his sophomore year, so that would be, like, a repeat coming up this year. Um so really just, like, the history of it, I, I think is really cool. I mean, people, like, ask a lot about, like, the like his, like, records and stuff, and that's really, like, never been, like, a worry um, or, like, anything I've thought about because it's just, like, so fun, like, winning with, with our team and just trying to, you know, do great things, things that we've never done here before. So, you know, it's great. I honestly – I feel like people – not just you, obviously. People, like, ask about it a lot and think that it's, like, probably on my mind, like, a little bit more than it really is. And like, it's not, yeah. With, I mean, the academics here. With <laughs> you got our, too much on your with mind, our yeah. trading schedule, like, there's not too much time to really think about, you know, those aspects of of this right now. I think just, like, being in the present is really the best way to go about it. Awesome, yeah. So speaking of upcoming away games, you guys are at Yale this week. You're traveling in the New Haven. Uh, let's talk about how you guys are feeling about this game. Yeah, so um, they're the defending Ivy League champs. Um, you know, we played great against them last year. Uh, but obviously, you know, they have a, a different team. Um, obviously, some guys returning. But, you know, we know they're going to come in and they're going to want to beat us. We've I th- we've got them two years in a row now, um, and which is not – too normal in in Yale versus Holy Cross for you know there to be a streak either way, uh, so we know they're going to come and fight. They, it's their first game because the Ivy League starts uh, sooner or start starts later in the season, 
So, you know, they're going to be fresh. They're going to be ready to go. You know, it's their first time hitting, you know, another team other than them. So we know they're going to be physical. Um, and it's it's going to be a dogfight. That stadium, you know, it's a little bit different to play in. The Gale Bowl, it's like very wide. Just kind of doesn't feel like a familiar environment. It gets really hot down there, too, when the sun's uh, beaming. So it's going to be fun. Um, it's definitely, you know... People think that because it's not BC, you know, we're it's not a big game, but it's as big as, you know, any other yeah. game. Got you there. Obviously, you know, Ivy League football, always extremely fun to watch when you guys go up against one of those teams. They just play this different brand of football that you're kind of seeing go out of style these days. So it's mm-hmm. always super fun to see you guys take on Harvard or Yale or whoever it is. So Absolutely. very much looking forward to that game. Last question for you today, Jordan. What's your favorite part about Holy Cross? We are, of course, a Holy Cross sports podcast, so <laughs> got to ask that one. Yes. Um, I would say just like, just the feel of, I don't want to say like, like high school, but you just like, you know so many people. Like it's rare to ever walk in a building and just feel like, uh, like alone or like, you know, like there's no one like to say hi to. Um you know, I think like you're in Kimball, like with the same, you know, group basically of people every day. Like, and I think at some of the like bigger schools, like it might be cool to, you know, meet new people every day. Um, but I also think like when you're, you know, you're out with in a group of like, you know, hundreds or whatever, and you don't know anyone like that could be a lonely feeling, I imagine. And I think it's also cool. I've talked to like uh, players at other FCS schools where they're just like, yeah, like no one, there's so much going on on campus that no one really goes to the games or, you know, no one like, there's like nothing like, you know, the, the BC Holy Cross atmosphere. Um, and I just think it's so cool that, you know, you like, I get, have, have built relationships with um, like students, parents here, you know, just because you see people so often, um, and it's just so tight knit. I think like when I go out in the summertime, you know, I'm in New Hampshire or Boston or elsewhere, whenever you see someone from Holy Cross, it's just like, it's a great time. You know, they're especially alumni are just always, you know, willing to talk. And I've just built so many connections with like the alumni uh, football program. Um, so really, I just think like the connectedness of everything and like the familiarity, um, they say, you know, it's like the, the people, not the place or whatever about Holy Cross. Um, and I totally agree. I mean, the, the place is great, too, in my opinion. Um, but that's yeah, that's really what I think is, is my favorite part. Jordan, it's been an honor having you on the podcast. You're doing something really special out there. And we really appreciate your time today. Thank you. Thank you, man. Jordan, thank you so much for your time joining us here on the Satercast episode two. We really appreciate you and wish you the best of luck this week in New Haven against the Ivy League football powerhouse, Yale. Yeah, Jordan uh, just needs to keep it going, really. He just yeah. needs to keep it up. Just keep doing what you're doing, and you know the Holy Cross running game is going to keep having some success. So really appreciate you joining the podcast, and good luck against Yale this week. On the road, two weekends in a row, Holy Cross back on the road at Yale. We were in the booth when we Holy saw Cross played Yale yeah, last we saw year. Them. Their quarterback is back, Nolan Grooms. He's good. He's a lefty. Yeah. A little lefty quarterback. You don't see that very often. We got lefty quarterback Nolan Grooms, Ivy League Offensive Player of the Year last year, Nolan Grooms was. 
Um, so safe to say uh, they got something cooking at Yale. You really can't write off any Ivy League program just because they play this old brand of football that really just isn't seen around. So you need to plan for them a little bit differently. Like you wonder why Harvard is such a hard game every year. It's because they just play different than everyone else because they're such a storied Ivy League program. Same goes for Yale. Now we can look at what Yale has done this year, which is actually nothing. It looks like they haven't played a game yet this year. So this will be their season opener against the Crusaders, which reminds me of two years ago when they walked into our house and we came away with the win. But Holy Cross needs to regain their momentum. Obviously, they lost a little bit in Chestnut Hill. They're still ranked number five, so they didn't drop at all in the FCS polls. But they need to figure it out, essentially. They need to play not just one half of good football. They need to put together four quarters this time because they have fallen behind early in both their first two games. That is a concerning sight. So if they, I think, can limit the mistakes in the first half of play and then put together a solid second half of football, I say they walk out of New Haven with a win. Yeah, Bob Chesney, he has goals for this team, and losing at Yale is just not in his picture. Like, that, that, is, that is not acceptable. And I'm a little actually disappointed I'm not going to be able to go to this game because I've seen some – I've never been to Yale, believe it or not, even though I'm local – that is a beautiful campus. Yeah, I have, it, not, I have not been to no, New Haven I, as well, but I, it looks yeah, fantastic. It, it is a stunning, stunning place to catch a football game. And obviously, like I mentioned, such a storied school, such a storied program. It's always a little special when you play an Ivy League program, for sure. Yeah, but it's safe to say if Holy Cross wants to have success, and they're, like you said, that defense, it's going to need to be ready from the jump. Yep. It's going to be need, It's going to need to be ready to go at, at, right after the first kickoff. It's going to need to be ready to go. There's no... You know, Yale's, Yale's a program where if you're down 10 at the half, they, like, that's, a, that's a big mountain to overcome. So the defense is going to need to step up. They're going to need to do their part. And then it's, you know, it's just going to be that running game again. Jordan Fuller, Matthew Sluka using their legs with Purdy, Forrest, um, you know, everyone else helping out. And then, you know, getting Coker involved. He was involved at BC, but then yeah. getting him more involved, obviously he's going to probably have the opportunity to get more involved against Yale. And, and I, I want to throw yeah, something else absolutely. out there as well. I am extremely concerned with the lack of Justin Shorter in this offense. They need to get that kid involved because he's fast, he has great hands, and I don't know why he's not returning kicks and punts anymore. That's what he was best at. So they got to get him back involved. Yeah, well, so we'll see how that goes in New Haven. Uh, that is this Saturday at noon. And I think this being Yale's first game of the season, that puts them at a disadvantage. Holy Cross already has two games under their belts. They've... They've got experience for their young defense. Uh, now they're starting to get, they're probably hopefully going to start to get used to, you know, playing together on a football field, playing as a team as of 11. Whereas Yale, you know, they, all their questions, they've had no answers. They haven't played a game yet. So um, I think Holy Cross uh, has a really good chance to come out of New Haven with a victory, um, but they're going to need to play four good quarters of football because this is not an easy road game for Holy Cross. And um, I, I do think they did get three of their toughest opponents in the first three weeks. I agree. Like, I don't think there are really many challenges in the Patriot League anymore, especially with Fordham you know, losing their best offensive players. Uh, but you look at the three teams that were playing in the first three weeks and then Harvard for those guys who are really going to give you a hard time. So jumping from Holy Cross football, we're going straight to the pros. We'll get to some other college football from last week later, but we're going straight to the pros. And yeah, like you, I mean, let's let's talk about Aaron Rodgers. I Happened mean, late last yeah. night. I mean, poor guy, right? Look, I was looking forward to playing him this year. I really was, because that Patriots Jets rivalry was about to be so good again instead of a one sided beatdown. But you you play four snaps and you're done for the year. That's just that is possibly the most 
heartbroken I have felt for a rival team. I feel so bad for that franchise. I feel so bad for their fans. They had so much hope. You never see that. And they have not had anything go right for them in the past, like, 50 years. So this is, this is just, I feel the, I feel like, I feel heartbroken for them. I really do. Well, last night went right for them. How about that game? Yeah, that was quite the game, quite the finish. 22-16, to 16, the Jets beat the Bills in the battle uh, at MetLife Stadium in overtime. I'm not going to say I called it, but I did say it was you, me you, a close game in it. overtime and the Jets would win last week. We'll get to our records from our picks last week later. We both were on the winning side. Let's just say that. Um, we're, but we're also tied at three and two. But yeah, well, it'll be very interesting to see how the Jets do moving forward with Zach Wilson at quarterback. He's shown flashes. We're going to get to the Jets in their matchup at the Cowboys a little bit later. But first, let's get right into the predictions. Yeah, we were both three and two last week. I, for some reason, had the Pittsburgh Steelers defending their home turf Disgusting. against the 49ers. Safe to say that Kenny Pickett and company did not do much defending of the home turf. Steelers football is back, baby. Yeah, Najee Harris really sucks. Not great. Not it. Uh, TJ Watt's still fantastic, though. I said their defense was going to be good. He was the only good player. Yeah. So they have some work to do. Patrick Peterson's corpse is still out there for the Steelers. So Brock Purdy, by the way, after the game, saying he shot a touchdown right over Patrick Peterson after Peterson secured an interception earlier in the week. That man with that comment just became a top ten quarterback. Right? We now. like we like Brock. Purdy. We like Brock Purdy. We here. like Brock Purdy on this podcast. Coming back from UCL injury as well. Uh, but yeah, and then we just talked about it. I had the Jets. He had the Bills, uh, and we both had the Bengals. Who uh, I don't want to talk about it. I had T Higgins fantasy. Yeah, we're gonna talk about that in a second. First game of the week, Thursday night football. We're getting this episode out before Thursday night football this week. Look <laughs> wow, at us. Wow, look at this. We're on top of things. Vikings at the Eagles. Vikings, oh, yeah. they had a good week one, huh? No, they didn't. No, they did not. They didn't. Baker Mayfield. Tampa Buccaneers were in contention for having the first <laughs> I just, I, overall yeah. draft pick in the upcoming season. I, Baker I, Mayfield yeah. goes on the road, and he beats the Vikings beats and the, Justin it, Jefferson in their home at their home it's, field. It's not, it's not what you want to see as a Vikings fan, absolutely. You are a Vikings fan. I'm a part-time Viking fan. Yeah, you're, you're not very happy. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not really happy about what just happened because I, I am a New England Patriots super fan, but that doesn't mean I can't have a team on the side on the NFC that I root for. And I have a lot, of, uh, a lot of stuff I won't get into right now that really draws me to the Minnesota area. And so... Vikings are the team, and you you go out there and you do that, and I'm like, what am I doing with my second team right now? Yeah, but I will say, Jordan Addison looks the part. Justin Jefferson had a great game. He is the part. Alex Madison is going to be your RB one. If you can figure out your defense, because they looked a little better. Brian Flores, of course, is a great defensive mind. They looked a lot better under him. You just need to not choke. And here's the problem with this matchup right now. It's Kirk Cousins in primetime. And I'm a Kirk Cousins defender, but the track record does not lie. When you're going up against a team that almost just won a Super Bowl, also marched into New England and beat them on Brady Day, albeit it was a little rough. We'll talk about that in a minute. I don't see the Vikings starting 1-1. One one. I think they go 0-2. I think the Eagles will win this game. I think it's a little bit closer than we expect. I will go with a 27-24 Eagles victory. On a last-second Jake Elliott field goal. Look at that. Close game. Well, I, I'm i an Eagles believer still. I think they have so much firepower on their offense. The Patriots, it was weird. They jumped out quick early. The Patriots looked like they didn't even belong on the field. It was 16-0 before you could even turn the game on. 
And then all of a sudden, the Eagles just, they slowed down. The Patriots, they, they started to get things going. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, through, I mean Ramondre Stevenson yeah. was non-existent was, on the ground. He was a non-factor. But, but he was good in the catch. Like, he was good in the receiving yeah. game, which, I don't know, I didn't expect that. I mean, um, through three quarters, the New England Patriots were a better team. The problem yes. was they could not overcome that abysmal first quarter. Horrible. And that's where the Eagles are just able to capitalize on mistakes. So Absolutely. I do think the Eagles were the better team. But the Patriots are really a lot better than I think a lot of people expected. I, I agree. I think the game was, you know, I said it was going to be 27 to 21. It was 25 20, which, you know, again, pretty good pick for me. Uh, but I, yeah, I think it was closer than people thought. Um, but I really do think the Eagles' offense, their home opener, they're just going to, you know, I think, like you said, there's so many question marks on that Vikings defense. They're just going to open it up and they're going to run all over the Vikings. It's not going to be close, in my opinion. The Eagles are going to put up 35. Vikings are going to put up 13. It's going to be a blowout right. on Thursday night. Uh, Eagles are going to win. Yeah, I think we're on the same page there. We'll just see how close of a game it is. Next up, the battle of the quarterbacks who couldn't score a touchdown week one. It's Lamar versus Burrow, Ravens, Bengals. Neither of these teams are making me very happy right now. No, uh, Joe Burrow didn't show up week one. It was so uh, bad. Bengals offense could not get anything going. I mean, they have Jamar Chase, T. Higgins. T. Higgins, seven targets. Eight. He had eight, eight targets. And he didn't catch a ball. Zero. And I had him in like three fantasy leagues. Yeah. Like, what? Yeah, he, went from, he changed his number from 85 to five, and he might need to go back to 85. Yeah, because he got that eight was, targets and couldn't catch a single yeah, one. That was not good from T. Higgins. I mean, it was a rainy day in Cleveland. Yeah, uh, but the the Browns running game they figured it out. I caught more passes in flag football during that same day than T Higgins did in the NFL. <laughs> I am not a student athlete. This is pathetic. Yeah, so uh, the Ravens they're taking on the Bengals in Cincinnati. Bengals home opener. Ravens, you know, they beat the Texans. They didn't look great either. Lamar Jackson, a few fumbles. He was just running with the he, ball. He, he didn't he look was, right. He had the ball just in his hand. He was running, and, you know, Texans were taking advantage. They were just poking it out. They were forcing fumbles. Uh, Lamar didn't look great. You know, there's always that week one. You got to get stuff going. You never know how teams are going to look. But the Ravens and the Bengals both weren't that impressive, albeit the Ravens did win. Um but they and struggled they, against the Houston Texans. They did. It was just a slow game. And you know, the Ravens, sometimes they like those slow, ugly games. That's kind of the Jim Harbaugh football sometimes. Um, but I think it's going to be tough to beat the Bengals on the road. They did nothing to impress me. I'm going to say it right yeah. now. The Bengals did nothing no. to impress me. I think Joe Burrow is going to figure it out at home. I think the Bengals, they're going to bounce back. I think T. Higgins, Jamar Chase are going to finally start getting involved. Like you said, the Texans, they're not a good team. They didn't. You know, they didn't look horrible against the Ravens. I don't think the Ravens are going to be able to win this road AFC North game. I think the Bengals are going to win. I think this one's going to be close, 28-24. I think you're right, but I also think you just did not mention any of the major injuries the Ravens are dealing with right now. Just because of that, I'm giving the Bengals the win. They're the more complete team. They're the healthier team. And your starting center is hurt. Your defensive backs are hurt. J.K. Dobbins can't stay healthy. And this is a team headed for disaster immediately. So I'm going to say the Bengals are going to bounce back pretty well here. Um, and I will say, let's go 30-20. to 20. A, nice, a nice even score right there. I like it. Jets out the Cowboys. Yeah, game this, three this, on the slate. This, this is an yeah. interesting one. No, it's not. It, it's not because I'm going to tell you why. We made this list when Aaron Rodgers still had an Achilles tendon. I'm not even going to talk anything. Cowboys win this game and it's not close. 
I think the Jets are going to be interesting in the first half, but I think the Cowboys are going to pull away in the second half. 40 to nothing over the Giants Just on Sunday Night Football. An absolute dismantling of a team that talked way too much crap over the offseason. Yeah, I mean, I did not see that coming. I, I saw that, I thought, we both thought the Cowboys were going to win. We both thought they were going to handle the Giants, but my goodness, 40 to nothing. Blocked field goal return for a touchdown. Interception that's poked out of Saquon's Barkley's hands. I, I return up, for a I touchdown. I went up against the the, the, the Cowboys defense yeah. in fantasy, and yeah. I lost by point three because yeah. of it. So yeah. they, thanks, guys. They had a great day. Daniel Jones was seeing ghosts. As Daniel Sam Jones, as Sam Darnold was at MetLife, nonetheless. Yeah, not not a good way to uh, start off the season for the Giants. Uh, Cowboys looked great in all assets of the game. Dak Prescott didn't even have to do much. It was just handing the ball to Tony yeah. Pollard Who, and just way, getting it to C.D. Lamb. He, he's good. We Tony talked Pollard, about Tony Pollard last Tony week. Pollard. He's Love good. Tony Pollard. Cowboys are going to win big. I agree. Cowboys are going to win by three touchdowns. <laughs> it's okay. going to be 38-20. I think just because you have Sauce Gardner and Garrett Wilson on your team and Brees Hall is looking pretty good, I can't put them ahead by three touchdowns. But I can also say 27-13. Yeah. Uh, I had three touchdowns. I said 38-20. I meant 38-17 uh, is what I'm yeah. going to go with. Fourth game of the week. I think this is the most interesting game of the week. Dolphins at the Patriots. We might get a good primetime game on Sunday night because I'm telling you right now, the Dolphins, what in the world happened there? They turned on a gear that I didn't think they had. Now, granted, the Chargers are the best at blowing leads, but Tyreek Hill has more yards than the entire Giants offense right now. One man has more yards than an entire team who made the playoffs last year. Let's just, let's just get that out of the way immediately. Tyreek Hill, he's a problem. But here's what the Patriots do with your top receiver. How was A.J. Brown this week? Not very good, right? Because the Patriots knock out your number one guy. So this is the Jalen Waddle game. And this is, uh, what, what, what was that guy's name? Uh, Crackraft? Yeah. He's going to show up as well. He's going to have to. The Patriots know how to neutralize your best offensive player. And I think if Tua and the Dolphins want any chance of coming in and fixing that defense for themselves, because the Patriots' defense, one of the best in the league, undoubtedly. If they want to go in there and steal a win, they need to rely on Waddle. They need to rely on Crackraft. They need to rely on their running game. And they need to rely on Tua just being able to make the throws that he can. And I'll be honest, since this is a Patriots home game, if this was in Miami, Dolphins win easy. But this is at home. And even though Mac Jones has not beat Tua Tagovailoa yet, I have a good feeling that this is the time. So I say this is a close, close, close match. Mac Jones is going to throw it to Kendrick Bourne and Hunter Henry all day. We're going to call this one a close game. We're going to end it 24-21. Patriots are going to win their first game of the year. Look at that. The Patriots homer picking the Patriots on the podcast. I'm disagreeing. Hey, I understand. You know what? I like the pick. I like, you know, if, if there's any upset for the week, I think the Patriots do have a chance just because they're able to neutralize offenses like you were just talking about. But to a tug of Iloa, 456 yards week one. Like you said, the Chargers secondary was pretty much. J.C. Jackson is bird toast. was just allowing receivers to find every open hole and then run past them. J.C. Jackson is not a good football player anymore. Yeah, so. Uh, I just think Tua is just so talented. I mean, I, I didn't know what he was able to do because he doesn't have much running game, but he was just fitting balls into windows. Granted, they were really wide open windows, and maybe the Patriots are going to you know, you know, sh- shorten those windows, make them a little bit smaller because they have a better defense. Uh, but Jalen Waddell um, and Tyreek Hill are just too fast. I, they, they just, yeah. they, they're, they're just, I mean, Tyreek Hill is just so fast, and he catches every ball. 
Two to talk about a little I just want to talk about his last touchdown pass to uh, give the um, Dolphins the 36-34 lead before they missed the extra point. He fit a ball in a window to Tyreek Hill on a back shoulder fade that I didn't even know existed. It was, one, it was, it was one of the best throws I've ever seen. Tua Tagovailoa obviously was so outstanding at the University of Alabama, and he got to the NFL, and he's been good. He's shown flashes, but he's also just had moments where, he, where everyone's like, what is Tua Tagovailoa Tua turned the ball over. Yeah, he's, he's dealt with some injuries for sure, uh, but he looks really healthy right now. His arm looks really good. He's throwing the ball down the field. He's throwing the ball at will. They don't have much of a running game, which is something that maybe Bill Belichick is going to be able to exploit on the defensive end. But I think the Dolphins are going to score a lot more than 24 points. I think they're going to put up 35. I think they're going to beat the Patriots 35-27. Ow, okay. Well, I'll take it. Last up, we have AFC North football. Yeah, everyone. Everyone's favorite brand of AFC football is just the Gritty Browns versus Steelers match on Monday night. Yeah, double Monday night football. We have uh, two games on Monday night, Saints versus the Panthers, and then Browns versus Steelers. We're just talking Browns-Steelers. Saints-Panthers is going to be a bad game. Yeah, so but double Monday night game, Browns at the Steelers. Browns get a victory at home against the yeah Cincinnati Bengals who didn't show up. Steelers looked abysmal against the 49ers at home. I picked the Steelers to win. I'm doing it again. Why am I doing this again? You're, you're an idiot. I'm doing this again. The Pittsburgh Steelers, Kenny Pickett, he looked awful. He just didn't look good. I have no justification for this pick other than the Steelers are going to be able to neutralize that Browns running game. Did somebody, Nick Chubb did is somebody going, put you up to this? Like Nick Chubb is going to get stopped. What? And guess what? The Steelers are going to win. It's going to be extremely low no, scoring. No. The terrible towels are going to be out. The Pittsburgh Steelers at home are going to just find no. a way to win a close game. Stop. George Pickens is going to score a touchdown no, he's late. Not. He's going to score, and you know what? Najee Harris is he's going to start running vertically instead of horizontally. <laughs> okay, thank you. And the Steelers are going to win 16-10. to 10. Okay, I agree on the low scoring part, but you, you've got it wrong. I can't, I can't choose the Steelers after last week. Like, I don't know if you've lost a bet and have to choose the Steelers this week. I would rather probably like go to the dentist than watch the Steelers' performance again last week because that... That could be one of the worst week one performances I've ever seen. Like the graphic, 199 yards versus one. One yard. And that Browns defense, first of all, Miles Garrett's going to destroy you no matter what you do. Second of all, they have a great secondary. And third of all, Deshaun Watson looked better. Nick Chubb is probably the best running back in the league right now. I, I don't see the Steelers winning this game. I don't see it being very high scoring. But I'm going to go 19-13 to Browns on this one. Everyone bring With out... a missed extra point. Bring out your terrible towels. The Steelers are winning this game. They're not, but okay. From the NFL on Sundays, we head a day back to Saturday where we're going to do a recap of a few games over the weekend. Uh, just as pretty much every college football Saturday is, there was chaos. Oh, yeah. Let's just immediately get into Coach Prime being probably the best coach of all time. That's an exaggeration, but that team, he has turned them around into something special. You went 1-11 last year, I believe, and now you're 2-0. The Colorado Buffaloes are here, and they are legit. Let let me just say, by the way, Nebraska's not good. But Colorado winning a home game in front of that student section, they rush the field. That is a franchise, rather a college, who needed this. Absolutely. I mean, big noon Saturday kickoff, University of Colorado hosting Nebraska. Who would have seen that coming? Uh, no, like they're going, they're getting college game day next week too. 
The Colorado versus Colorado State game. So the University of Colorado, they're on the map. Nebraska, you said they're not good. They're not good. Jeff Sims, he's not a good quarterback. He's no, more he's of not. a running back than a quarterback. Yeah, but, I mean, my goodness. He's still not good. That doesn't yeah. mean he's good. No, yeah. no, no. I'm, I, I, don't, I do not think he's good. I yeah. was, was going to say, my goodness, this Colorado offense is doing things I had no idea was that they were going to do. Obviously, we talked about Hunter last week. We don't have to get into him as much this week. He's still special uh, on a level that we haven't seen before. But, I mean, Jimmy Horn, this I mean, one of the receivers on Colorado, he is just getting open every single play. And, I mean, Sanders is finding him. He's got, like, 17 uh, catches in the first two weeks. This Colorado offense, it's it's doing something we had no idea that they were going to be doing. Nebraska's a good defense. Yeah. They have a good defense. Colorado put up 36, didn't mm-hmm. even make it close mm-hmm. against Nebraska. That was a blowout. Colorado, they're doing something special. I just want to see if they have staying power or if, you know, eventually they're going to fall off because I, I just, I don't know. I don't know with this team right now because I haven't seen a program turn around like this this quickly. They've had a fairly weak-ish schedule so far. I'd like to see when they get into, like, the big boys of the Pac-12, like, USC is going to be a big game. I, I think Utah, yeah, Oregon. Yeah. yeah, those are going to be the games where Colorado is really going to be tested. But, I mean, just about all of America is on the Colorado hype train right yes. now. So we're allowed to be as well. I, I'm a believer. So we'll see what happens. I just need to be a little bit cautious with them because this hasn't happened in a while to this standard. Yeah, so they're obviously ranked 18th overall now. I think people do need to be careful about – I mean, they're – like you said, they have a really, really tough schedule coming up, so people need to be careful about what's to come for Colorado. But right now, I mean, I think Colorado is the most interesting FBS team to watch in America. Absolutely. So, yeah, yeah. App State versus UNC, I'm going to be completely honest with you, I did not watch this game. So this was a great game, actually, and, I mean, Appalachian State always gives these big ACC schools a hard time. No matter who it is, Appalachian State shows yeah, didn't up. did they upset and they someone last A-game. year? Yes, they yeah, did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Appalachian State. I mean, they're always in the game. Yeah. These guys always are in the game. And, I mean, UNC, I mean, they're a good team, right? They're supposed to, you know, they're supposed to cover an 18-point spread against Appalachian State at um, home, It was an 18-point right? spread? Appalachian State took them to double overtime. Oh, my God. And, I mean, UNC kicker. We're not going to get into that, but, oh, my goodness. Get he ready had, to learn Chinese, buddy. He but. had a kick to win it in, a, in regulation, t- shanked it. Yeah. But don't worry, Appalachian State's co- coach called a timeout. He had a second chance. <laughs> Missed it by even more the second time. <laughs> UNC, they're a really good team. They were running the ball all over Appalachian State. The problem was Appalachian State was also running the ball all, all over, over UNC. Yeah. UNC, they always play high-scoring matchups. They're going to need to get that defense looked at if they want to compete in the ACC this year. The ACC looks good this year, better than it did last year. Obviously, yeah. Clemson is not having the season. <laughs> we that they we want. can't even talk about them anymore. But like, uh, Florida State's number three in the country. They look really good. And they're going to Louisville won convincingly. Yeah. I mean, there are some teams that yeah. are you know not expected to have been this good, but look really good thus far. And guess who and Florida think, State has this week? Our old friends. Yeah, Florida State. They might actually win by seventy. Yeah, and I kind of hope that. Oh, no, me too. Uh, so, yeah, UNC wins 40-34 to in double overtime. They got the stop when they needed it most. But, my goodness, Appalachian State gave them a test when they should not have. So, next up, we've got Texas versus Alabama. I think Texas might be back. I, mean, I, th- I think they're back. Quinn Ewers looks really, really th- good. There is a legitimate chance that Texas football is good again. I, th- it's not legitimate. There is a 100% chance that Texas football is good again. 
They're one of like, I don't know the entire list, but a select few teams to walk into Tuscaloosa and beat them. I mean, Alabama had the longest home winning streak in college football. Yeah. And Texas went in there. Not only did they win, they won convincingly. They won convincingly. Like, Quinn Ewers, like you said, he's the real deal. He was throwing the ball all over the place. He was legitimately good. Xavier Worthy for Texas, the receiver, he is absolutely ridiculous. Kool-Aid McKinstry was just like, I, just, I can't believe getting, that's his name. I'm he sorry. He was getting burned for Alabama. Alabama. <laughs> Kool-Aid McKinstry. Are they going to be an 8-4 and four team this year? Uh, or is this, their, is this their one loss? This is probably... Like, like I mean, Milrow, Milrow was... He was throwing the ball and he was just like... He didn't see... Like, he just didn't see defenders. I mean, this is what happens when you have three straight elite quarterbacks come into the college and then you've got Milrow, who's just a little step. I mean, he's really him. good at football. He's good at football, but he's no like he's no Tua. He's no he's senior no year Mac Jones. He's yep. no Tua Tagovailoa. Yep. He's definitely not Bryce Young. Definitely not Jalen Hurts. He's not. I forgot. That yeah. it was four in a row. Yeah, it was so four they, in a row. I keep so, forgetting Hurts. I mean, yeah, down. Alabama just produces NFL talent, but um, so, yeah, not even to get into their receivers. Their receivers don't look as good this year either. No, yeah, not at all. I'd be interested. I am really interested to see what Alabama does from here on out. I personally think that they're just not a good – they're not going to be a good team this year. I think they're going to have a really hard time winning on the road in the SEC environments. Um, I know in a few weeks they have, they're have they at Texas A&M. I think that they're – That's always a fun one to watch. Uh, obviously, yeah. Texas A&M did not get it done versus Miami this week, but that's always a fun game to watch. Uh, and I just don't think this Alabama team is going to have what it takes to win on the road. They just, they just don't have it this year. They, they, and that's fine because you've been so good for so long. Now you can let Georgia start a dynasty and then come back – Retool, get your prospects back in order, and then Alabama's back, I'd say, next year. Yeah, I'm sure we're going to be talking about in week eight how this was the worst take ever because Nick Saban is... Nick Saban's going to rattle off a get, solid nine-game yeah, winning streak yeah, now Nick and Saban, win the championship. If anyone's going to prove us wrong on this podcast, Nick Saban's going to prove us wrong on this podcast. Wonderful. Moving on, Oregon at Texas Tech. Texas Tech losing a heartbreaker week one at Wyoming. Yeah. They were back at home against Bo Nix and the Oregon Ducks. Were they going to be able to get it done? Well, they were leading the entire game. And then Oregon decided, nah, I'm not about that. Yeah, Oregon came back late. Uh, you know, they had a field goal to take the lead. Texas Tech was driving. Uh, Tyler Show, their quarterback, an Arizona product uh, from Hamilton High School. He was. Uh, How do you he, know all of this? Well, he played my school a lot. Oh, okay, that's So uh, Tyler Show was there. Uh, he looked good in the first half. Like I said, Texas Tech leading the entire game. Everyone was like, oh, my goodness, Texas Tech's going to get their home win against the Pac-12 opponents. The Pac-12 has been really good this so the far. The Pac-12, the I think their worst team is 1-1. One one. Yeah. No, their worst team is 1-1. One one. They have four 1-1 one one teams. It, they, they, like, the last year of the Pac-12 is yeah. about to go crazy. Yeah, this is like the Pac-12's farewell tour as they're all going to just win every single <laughs> literally yeah. game. Um, but Oregon, they got it done when they needed to. They got... A late pick six, they were up one. Tyler Show was driving, and they got a late pick six to seal the deal. They won 38-30. Oregon's a really good team this year. They are, but Oregon, also, like, how long has Bo Nix been in college now? Because I feel like I've heard his name for, like, five years. He's been there. He's been here for a while. Yeah. But, you know, that, that experience is going to help Oregon this year. I think if he stays healthy, they're going to be a really tough team to beat. Absolutely. And I think they're going to provide uh, USC the toughest um, competition in the Pac-12. Now, and to be fair, you cannot rule out Washington either. Oh, no. Michael Penix is quite a good football player. Yeah, they're at Michigan State this week. That'll be in- an interesting test. Oh. I, Michigan State had some issues yeah, this week. Yeah, I don't too. really want to talk about them considering I am a part-time Michigan State Spartans yeah. fan, and I'm not quite happy with what I'm seeing come out of that yeah. camp, so we will just move on to Stanford versus USC. Yeah, USC, Pac-12 matchup. Uh, Stanford, they looked... Abysmal. Yeah, no. Forty-nine to three at the half. The USC Trojans were beating the Stanford Cardinal 
you don't see that. You don't, you don't see you don't. Pac-12 teams beating other Pac-12 teams by 46 points. Especially one like Stanford. Half. Like I'm a Stanford uh, fan. This is not this, fun. This is terrible. They won at Hawaii, and I was like, wow, maybe we'll be able to keep it close against USC. Caleb Williams, he played a half of football. He yeah. didn't play the second half. He yeah. didn't need to. That's against valid. Stanford, the University of Stanford, Caleb Williams, he's the Heisman frontrunner by far. He's ridiculous. We're going to talk I, about I, him yeah, every week that yeah. he plays if he keeps doing what he's doing. I would like to see someone obliterate, like, obliterate their own NFL team this year just to get Caleb Williams. Like, the Jets, maybe? He's worth it. He's worth it, I would say. I, 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 Caleb Williams, fun to watch. Yeah, and I think... Human highlight reel. USC, they're off this week, um, so we're not going to be able to see Caleb Williams. They played that week zero match, so they're off this week. Um, But my goodness, USC, they're... They're probably my favorite college team to watch I think they're the most fun college team to watch. They are so much fun. And I mean, USC football being good again just makes sense. It really does. The, the, the top 10 this year, it's a different top 10. It's great. It's fun. Georgia and Michigan, one and two, obviously. Fine. Right? We'll Fine. take that. Whatever. We'll, we can live with that. Florida State, three. We talked about that. That's an interesting one. Yep. I haven't seen them up there since Jameis Winston was at the helm. Yep. Texas, four. That that's was That's fun. surprising, yeah. Yeah. That's fun. And then teams like Penn State. USC. Washington. USC. 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 Yeah. Thank you. There's a lot of good teams in college football. And obviously, we haven't seen Georgia play anyone um, to test them or Michigan play anyone to test them yet. But Soon. Last year, I think four through ten was, you know, they were good teams, but they weren't really doing anything that was like threatening the top teams. This year, there's like four ten, through ten yeah. is they're, they're threatening the top teams. It's also week two, but absolutely, absolutely. But regardless, I think college football parity is really, really good this year, and there's a lot of good teams. Not only just on the SEC, not only just in the ACC, but all over the country who are really interesting and fun to watch. Big Twelve. Big yeah, 10. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, it's a, it, there's there's a good team everywhere. Pac-12. That's they're all I'm good. Saying, I'm saying there's a, a good, lot of good team teams everywhere. in football this year. That was a good episode too, Ben. That was a great episode too. Thank you again, Jordan, for joining us on the SaderCast. We will be back next week. Another player, as always. Some more insightful sports commentary, and we hope you all have a great week. Stay well. Any last words from you, Augie? Yeah, a whole lot of football this week. We'll be able to make some other sports in there uh, in the weeks to come. Obviously, the baseball MLB season, it's getting close to playoff time. Red Sox just lost to the Yankees. I'm not happy about it. The Diamondbacks, they're heating up, and Oh, here we go. Diamondbacks are in the third wild card spot. We're going to get into that. So much more, both Holy Cross, professional, and collegiate. Thank you very much for tuning in to the second episode of SaderCast, number one student section in America. Big Game Boomer got it right. We will see you next time. Have a good one. See ya.